Hello, IHA members and those of you who aren't members yet. Welcome to this first edition of Knickers and News, the IHA's podcast designed to get us to know one another better, share information, and have some fun along the way. My name is Isabel Farmer, and I'm the vice president of the IHA. I want to thank all of you who have become members. We appreciate the leap of faith you have taken with us. And without you, much of what we have already accomplished wouldn't be possible. And this podcast is one of those things. So please sit back and enjoy it as you are driving in your car or truck or just unwinding at the end of your day. If you have questions or comments about our podcast or topics you'd like to hear discussed, please send us your thoughts at info at internationalhorsemanship.org. We have exciting news to share with all of you. If you haven't already, as members, you will be receiving some of your benefits in the mail, so keep an eye out for them. Once you do receive them, please send us a picture of yourself displaying your hat and or shirt so we can share them in the magazine, online, or on our website. And we are so excited to have published the first issue of the IHA Journal. We hope you enjoy it as much as we did putting it together for you. For those of you who are a digital member or higher, you can access the magazine via the website or you will be receiving a copy in the mail. Finally, our new website is launched as of last week, and we are so excited to have you log in and start using it. It's in the beta stage, so if you find any bugs, help us and let us know. We've downloaded preliminary copies of the ground skills and bridle riding pathways for the grades of horsemanship, and we are working every day to get those laid out in an easier to use format. In the meantime, you have something to get you started. About to hear an interview I did a few days ago with Farah Green, and by way of introduction, I'd like to tell you briefly how I met Farah back in 2013. Have you ever heard the saying, when the student is ready, the master appears? We were two of 20 in an instructor course at the Prelly Center in Pagosa Springs, Colorado. On the second or third day of the course, we all saddled our horses and headed to a 160-acre pasture that sat alongside the road to the main area further up the mountain. We were split into two groups of 10. We were sent out in pairs to extend far out into the pasture and create a giant loop. Then one of each pair was to start circling their partner at a canter until they were instructed to switch to the next rider in the loop. They were to do so by doing either a simple or flying lead change. I think I was lucky that day, or maybe it was fate, but Farah and I were in opposite groups. So while Maverick and I watched rider after rider circle around us, Farah was making her way in our direction doing her circles on Wesley, her red-headed Arabian. And as she got closer, I started watching her as she did some of the most beautiful circles I had ever seen. On a 20-degree slope, along uneven ground, it was a spectacular display of horsemanship. And I told her so as she began circling us. To which she replied, well, we've done thousands of them. But of course, I knew there was far more to it than that, and I wanted to know what that was. I knew I had found my next instructor. So I know you will all enjoy this interview with the IHA's insightful, visionary, and intrepid leader, Farah Green. Farah Green, how are you tonight? 
so much, Isabel Farmer. I am fabulous. Thank you for offering me the opportunity to do this phone call with you. I know it's kind of fun to do this with all this great technology that we have today at our fingertips. Uh, I can be in Texas, you can be in Wyoming, and we can get this done. So It's, it's like I'm sitting in the same room. <laughs> Almost. So, um, you know, there are a lot of exciting things happening right now with the IHA. Um, we've gotten the nonprofit status applied for. It's awaiting approval. We, um, we met our Kickstarter goal. Uh, met and surpassed. Met, exactly. Met and surpassed our Kickstarter goal uh, in November. Our first IHA journal was just printed and will be sent out next week to our members. Woohoo! We should be really proud of that. Yes, I think, I think people are really going to enjoy looking at it and reading it. Uh, and our website, our, our brand new website is about to be launched. Uh, also next week. That's what we're shooting for. Uh, these and many courtesy other projects. Of all our members. Uh, courtesy of all our members. Courtesy of all our members. Yes. Uh, without our members, none of this would be possible. So um, that along with uh, multiple other projects that people are working on uh, right now. It's been a pretty exciting year. Um, how do you feel about having come so far in such a relatively short time frame? Well, I am completely blown away. I tell you, I did not know what to expect at the beginning of this year when we started actually putting ideas down on paper in December. I told Phil, my wonderful husband, I said, I have no idea what's going to happen between now and the end of the year, but I know somehow, inevitably, we are going to get there. And now looking back, at everything we have accomplished, and also the the tangible items like t-shirts, hats, lanyards that actually say our logo, our brand on them, but then the magazine and now the the fully functional website that is going to bring so many benefits to the members. They won't even believe it. I'm sure people won't even be using a quarter of it. They're not going to know what to do with it. <laughs> so that that being said, I I am just so proud and excited, but my other emotion, of course, is that I'm frustrated, and, you know, it's, it's okay, because that frustration comes from all of these great ideas that we have and that we're building up and that we can't give them to the people all at the same time. I've come to the conclusion that I think it's okay because, honestly, I don't think people can handle them all at the same time. So the frustration is really a happy frustration that there's so much more to come and so many more projects yet to finish. But I think our membership understands that it is a huge project and it's an evolution. It's not something that's going to happen in one big bang all at the same time so those are my emotions that's how i feel <laughs> excited and frustrated so can you share a little bit with our members how horses have shaped your life in a positive way so 
child, I always loved, loved horses, and they're always a big part of my life. My parents taught me to ride as a, maybe, my mother likes to say I was riding before I was born, because she rode while she was pregnant, and she said the mule walked very, very carefully with her, because he knew that I was, uh, that she was not quite right, so she was taking care of, so they were always a very important part of my life, and, um, I had a mule named George, actually, that he would step on my dad's foot all the time. And my dad would curse about it, you know, of course, not too much in front of his child, but he would, he was always, or swat him in the face with his tail, and that mule would never touch me. He took such good care of me. So... I, I feel like horses and equines, have, have, they've always been looking out for me and trying to teach me things along my way. Uh, as a child, too, I grew up in eventing. I was extremely motivated. For those of you who don't know about eventing, it's when you run really fast. At least the best part about eventing is when you run really, really fast over a big open field and you jump giant fences. And it's like this huge adrenaline high. And I had a horse named Charlie Horse who, thank God, took such good care of me and I could barely steer him and stop him was extremely difficult, but he would jump anything that I pointed him at. So, you know, he was a great eventing horse, right? But, uh, you know, as I started to go on with my eventing career, it wasn't good enough to just finish the course. I actually wanted to win sometimes. And so I started taking lessons and listening to great horsemen, and they would tell me little nuggets along the way, like, you know, a, more equipment is just a substitute for a lack of knowledge and bad horsemanship. And that was kind of a big blow to my ego, considering <laughs> I was riding with, like, a huge gag bit on my horse. Uh, I kind of realized, hmm, maybe I should learn more about this. And so I asked the advice of the instructor. He said, well, what would you suggest I do? And he said, oh, go ahead and just put a snapple bit in that horse's mouth. And I said, well, sir, pretty sure I'm going to get run away with if I do that. And I know the meaning was well, but the advice was extremely vague because he told me, I'm pretty sure that you can ride that horse just as fast as he can run. And it wasn't really helpful, uh, other than the fact that I knew I had to improve something. So I started searching and searching, and that's when I, when I found horsemanship, and specifically the Pirelli program, and I got very motivated uh, in learning and training horses and in the process, my friends uh, were watching, and they started to see a huge improvement in my horses, in my relationship with them. And so, of course, they started asking me questions. So you may find the next part of this interview uh, a bit surprising, because if you've known Farah just as an adult, I think you'll see her very much the way I do, which is very engaging, uh, very entertaining as an instructor, 
um, and very talented as a communicator. But it wasn't always that way for Farah. And in school, I was one of those kids who didn't talk to anyone. I was uh, always admired those people who could walk into a room and start a conversation with people who they didn't even know. I was definitely not one of those people. Or standing up in front of a group and engaging the group in an interesting story. I had no idea how they did that, and I was terrified to even try. Or why? They would even want to. are your passion. I mean, it's, that is so obvious to anyone who's ever met you. Um, I don't know what you're talking about since I wear horse earrings, <laughs> horse necklace, <laughs> horse shirt. I have no idea how you picked up on that. Yeah. And there's, of course, you've got the inevitable man manure at the bottom of your boots. <laughs> No, no, I, I think horse manure smells like roses, so to other people's, you know, so there you go. And we're in the right room. We're, we're, in the, right. we're all in the right room. I think all of us horse lovers would definitely agree with that. Hey, IHA members, it's Isabel again, taking a quick moment to ask you to help us grow the IHA by sharing this podcast with the horsey people you know. It's one way they can get to know us the way you do and make the decision to join us all on this adventure of relationship-based horsemanship. And if you would like to join us as a member or get more information about the IHA, please visit us at our website at www.internationalhorsemanship.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast, and let's get back to the interview with Farah. So now Farah is going to talk about how her passion for horses 
is being translated and infused into the IHA so that the whole world can experience what so many of us have experienced with relationship-based horsemanship. So when you really experience that first time when you communicate with the horse, when you really look at their eye and their ears and their nose and you know what they're thinking, and you know that they just want to go eat grass, or they just want a big roll, or they really, really want you to scratch them right, right here, a little to the left and a little to the right. When you when you get that kind of intimacy with your relationship, when you have a thought and you're riding and you don't even have to move your leg or lift your hand and your horse does what you're asking, and you don't even know if it was your idea or the horse's idea. That is the most joyful experience that personally I have ever had with an equine. If you could know what it feels like when you can translate what your horse is thinking, and I think that directly applies to our other relationships with people as well. You know, because with people, we say that we have language and we're this big advanced species because we can speak and write. And honestly, of course, it's true, but I think it also detracts to from what we are really trying to say because we can say that we feel just fine, but really we don't. And our body language and our expression is really saying how we feel and so I feel like true communication between horses and humans relationship based horsemanship it's not just about the relationship between the human and the horse but it's also the relationship that we have between our clients as instructors, between other members, between other performers, between other humans, and really understanding that communication with both species, I think it will just help us become better people. So Farah, I know one of the things that was very important to you is um, creating a real distinction out in the world uh, between riding horses and training horses. Can you talk a little bit about how the IHA uh, is going to help with that? Thank you for asking that question because I think a lot of the current riding instructor certification programs and actually a lot of just regular uh, horse handling programs are based on teaching people to deal with horses in perfect situations. Let's say I was trained in a normal horse riding program and I wanted to ride my horse who has never been ridden and I was just under the assumption that everything would work the same as it did with the school horse that I was uh, given lessons on. And we know that's absolutely not true, but not everyone does. So what really people need is a horse 
training program. And I feel like I feel like it's even deeper than that. You know, they, they need to know what to do when it doesn't work. You know, if you ask the worst to canter, why isn't the horse cantering? What what can I do to teach the horse or motivate the horse to do what I'm asking it to do? As part of the IHA's commitment to highlighting the distinction between riding and training horses, we are providing members with the Grades of Horsemanship Pathway, a guide to growing and expanding your knowledge of relationship-based horsemanship. Vera begins talking about the Grades of Horsemanship in this next segment of our interview. It's a relationship-based horse training program, which is really more than just teaching the horse to do the thing or the movement that you want, it's really causing the horse to want to do what we're asking him to do. How can we motivate him so it's actually, he thinks he's training us. So I would say that is what the grades of horsemanship are trying to design, is a training, a relationship-based training pathway that any motivated student can follow and have success with their horse. And there, there are essentials that people need to know. Every horse owner needs to know. And what's interesting about the IHA is that it's not actually a teaching program. It's, it's not going to reproduce what these horsemanship trainers are out there teaching. It's actually just a pathway. So you can study whichever favorite trainer that you want, or you maybe you're a trainer and you have a specific way you like to teach something. And you don't want to teach exactly what the IHA is talking about. You know what? We're just offering a pathway so that people out there studying all kinds of different horsemanship can actually compare what they're doing and know where to go. One of the things that I've noticed, too, uh, in instructing people, Farah, is that uh, it seems like a lot of people think they, they have to absolutely and completely perfect a skill in a certain way, and they just get stuck where they are. Um, so when I look at the grades of horsemanship, I think to myself, here's a way for people to not get stuck in their horsemanship. They're going to see exactly what something is supposed to look like, and they can then with confidence move on to the next step. Well, and the point of each grade is not to perfect it. I mean, you will perfect it as you go along. Just by trying, hopefully what it does is it invites people to try. They can kind of do something. So let's try the next step and say, okay, that didn't work out so well. Maybe I do need to focus on this thing before, or, hmm, I'm not too far off. So it's a way to self-test just by trying trying what's next on the list. Yeah, which I think is really valuable for people uh, because it does give them um, a chance to, to move forward, a, a, an opportunity and a way to move forward with confidence. Well, and I don't know about you, Isabel, but I'm a pretty motivated 
doing. Actually, I do know about you that you are also a motivated student. That's why. Uh, I would ask instructors, uh, as I would go throughout my learning from different people, and I would say something like, I want to learn how to do PR. And the instructor would say something to me like, well, you're not ready for that. And it would just make me mad. And I would say, I'm going to show you, you know, I'm going to go off and learn from somebody else if you're not good enough to teach me how to do this. And really, looking back, what I should have said if I was a really good student is I, I should have said, what could I do to prepare my horse to be able to do this? And so... I look at my, as an instructor, if a student asks me a question like that, that I know their horse is not physically ready or their timing isn't quite there, I say, well, these are the steps. And now, with the grades of horsemanship, I don't even have to verbalize that. People can say, well, I want to do PR. What are all the steps to be able to do that? And they'll have a list right in front of them. And then they can choose uh, to to try and experiment, and if they run into trouble, they can go and get help. And they can choose a whole list of people who can support them. And with the technology that we have today, there's no reason why you couldn't find if you if you made some kind of a, a connection with an instructor on the other side of the world, you could actually take a lesson from them by using the technology I that we have available. Isabel, I'm amazed. Well, and you know this, too, because we do uh, live lessons right as you're in Texas and I'm in Wyoming, and you're riding around in your arena with your little camera sitting on the rail <laughs> talking to yourself, at least other people think you are, uh, having a lesson and nobody knows it, and I'm sitting on my couch all at the same time. So... That's what we want to do. We want to bring people to instructors all over the world. Uh, we might have to learn a few different languages, but just imagine the horsemanship being passed through the ether. So the centerpiece of the IHA really uh, is, the, is this idea of what we are referring to as relationship-based horsemanship. And Farah, why should people even care? whether or not they have a relationship with their horse? Well, I think that relationship is ten times more important than the actual training. I mean, to me, relationship is really understanding what your horse is trying to communicate with you. And if you can understand that, then the behavior and the shaping of the, the training movement is, is very simple. So when you ask me, why should somebody care if they have a relationship with their horse? I mean, horses are huge, powerful creatures. They could crush you in an instant if they really wanted to. But thank goodness for us, they're very, very kind and patient and I feel like if we make an effort to understand what they're trying to say, that behavior, the training, the movement, that's the simple part. They'll do anything for you if you ask them nicely.
we're really setting a standard for relationship-based horsemanship with the IHA. And how does that fit in to an instructor or a trainer out there who uh, may be looking at the IHA to join the IHA and be become part of our organization? But really, we want to validate the skills that those instructors have. There's no other organization out there that you can compare across the board horsemanship skills. Because it doesn't matter where you learn them from or who you learned it from or a book, a DVD, a video, out there doing it yourself. It's important what you can do and how you can transmit that information to your students. And that's what the IHA wants to tell the rest of the world, that you have these skills. They want to help you advertise your brand. Not take your brand away, but advertise who you are and help give you the resources that might not otherwise be available for you. Through the LMS, through a learning management software where you can put your own courses on the Internet and sell them or contribute to our online database so that our members can learn from you and learn how you teach and then choose to take a clinic or a lesson or an online course from you. So also we want instructors and trainers to find a place to land because it can be really, really lonely out there. So the IHA is a community where instructors and trainers can come together and talk about their triumphs and talk about their frustrations and, and share methods that have worked for them and really learn from each other because you can feel really lonely when you're out there by yourself. So you're not alone. Please, we want to help the world get to know you. That was Farrah Green, founder and president of the IHA. Thanks, Farah, for sharing some of your many experiences with horses and your vision for the IHA. You know, this is a huge project, and those of us working every day to build it are so grateful to our members for your support. So thank you all again. Please share this podcast with the people you know so we can realize our mission to build a collaborative community of relationship-based horse people and their horses, help equine professionals grow and market their businesses, and provide a pathway for students to follow to become the horsemen they dream to be. We hope you've enjoyed listening and we will meet you here again at our next episode of Knickers and News.